I'm Sam Mitchell, and these are my stories. Hi, folks. I had a good day today, and let me the first welcome you to Autism Rocks and Rolls. Now, before we begin, I messed up that I'm not a doctor psychiatrist. If your son dies to diagnose with autism, please see a physician, at least based on my experiences. I also have a mission statement I'd like to review with all of you. The mission statement of Autism Rocks and Rolls is to take the negative stigma off of autism and other conditions that may think are disabilities. People on spectrum are not broken and do not need to be fixed. Those who have conditions or abilities do not to be pitied. There's nothing to be sorry about. And there are some people I'd like to thank. First, I'd like to thank my grandmother for being my previous guest and see. 222 accept them for who they are by grandma alice more information but what an amazing person and guest thank you grandma also i briefly want to talk about one of my connections philippa bagley emotional coach and owner of choose to change is a great place to go if you are having trouble with anxiety since i have trouble with anxiety i use her services and it didn't make me feel relieved thank you philippa for helping me out i also need to talk about c social engagement enterprise at kelly this is a program at indiana university who like my work so much that they're going to help arar out with their marketing thank you sky you and your team rock we spoke with karen bonelin of the query radio station last wednesday she will support our winter concerts coming up on december 17th by spreading the word about them thank you very much we also value your assistance we held the regular board meeting we will celebrate the holiday season with the board next month we are eager to celebrate with them i also spoke to ocalicon 2022 virtual conference i got to hear the stories of others and i got to share mine thank you to all who were involved the kiwani's idol was invited to me by jake may and vanessa mccleary i appreciate you all thinking about us so much we had a lot of fun on a personal note i am on fire because two more chefs from cutthroat kitchen responded they were the dj chef and chef jernard wells better known as the love chef thank you guys so much for responding and since the last episode i was on the hardy wrestling podcast with stephanie hardy what a great podcast now folks we right back we're in here an ad from the barn on maryland ridge so let's get to it there is a hidden gym in eastern green county folks fowler's pumpkin patch and the barn on maryland ridge wedding barn autism rocks and rolls is very proud to tell you about our friends perry and renee fowler and their place of business both fowler pumpkin patch and the barn on maryland ridge is a relaxing drive approximately 15 minutes from the heart of bloomington indiana and an hour south of indianapolis you can find them at 5347 south green county line road bloomington indiana 47403 the property has numerous picture locations including several rolling fields antique tractors red and rustic barns trees and much more customized wedding packages are offered on their website the surrounding area also provides several hotels in which to have your guests stay for your destination wedding also Fowler's Pumpkin Patch is a family-owned and operated seasonal pumpkin patch. It's the perfect place to take your family for some fall fun. Enjoy picking out pumpkins, hay rides, a corn maze, and a petting zoo. Call the Fowlers today at 812-327-4895 or 812-325-6022. All right, folks, we're back, and you'll definitely hear the words I do at this wedding barn. Now, today, it's a great day for me because Tommy Stevens, a former contestant from Hell's Kitchen and Cutthroat Kitchen champion, is here with me. Despite being from Lebanon, New Hampshire, Tommy spent much of his early years in Buffalo, New York. He was raised in the family business because his father was a restauranteur. His life has always included the restaurant culture. In his mid-20s, Tommy first began to explore the world of food and gastronomy. Soon after that, he returned to his hometown of Brewster, New York, where he attended high school and started his first job at a full-service restaurant. His first eatery, Iron & Wine, debuted in Patterson, New York in 2017. With all this knowledge,
Jones, you might be wondering why he's on my show right now. He is on my show because although he was on Hell's Kitchen, Tommy didn't alter who he was. And Tommy consistently maintained a good outlook despite the demanding and stressful situations that Hell's Kitchen offered. As he put it, when I arrived in Hell's Kitchen, my goal was to create some passion and some art. The whole time I was here, I tried to stay true to myself. And what Tommy did is what ARAR believes in. So let's welcome the humble and cool executive chef, Tommy Stevens, to Autism Rocks and Rolls. Tommy, my friend, how are we doing? What's up, brother? I'm doing good. So my first question to you is, what does being an executive chef mean to you? Oh, a job with long hours. <laughs> it's kind of like the family trade. We're a restaurant family. It's something I've always enjoyed doing, even when I was a young cook. The role of a chef is not too much different. It's a leap forward in terms of overall runnings of a restaurant. But the true passion is in recipe creating. That's the best part of the job, hands down. The creativity, I agree. That's with the podcast yeah. itself. We're both very artisty in a sense. We explain our own ways, though. I was just thinking, even when I was a young cook, I just said the best part was definitely crash course in recipes and trying to impress my chef that who I was working under. And I love now that I'm a 43 year old man, I love seeing my young cooks in my kitchen come up with new ideas as well. And it's lovely to see people express themselves through food. It is expressing through food. I've seen like chefs who have trouble with other skills amaze you in a minute with their food. Pretty phenomenal. Now, what were your initial thoughts when you learned that you were going to be an executive chef? I went out looking for that job. When I was working as a full-time cook, I just, I wanted to apply my mind a little more. So I just started looking for chef opportunities. My first one was a rather simple one in Philadelphia at a pub that had a large collection of craft beers. And I was allowed to do a small blackboard menu, like kind of like pub style, where I changed it every week, put specials up on a black board and just create different meals that I think people would enjoy and kind of grew from there. Can you tell us what some of the specials were? My favorite, we did like a stout mashed potatoes with duck breast and a little cabbage. That was my favorite, especially around fall. But I would do that year round at the pub just because I thought that was the greatest thing in the world when I was probably about 26, 27 at the time. And that was definitely my favorite dish at the moment. That sounds really good, actually. A little soul warmer. Yeah, I would say that. Now, in your brain, how do you think an executive chef brain operates? Chaotically. Fired on all cylinders, man. You constantly have to keep tabs on your inventory, your profit margins. You're maintaining a price point, making sure there's no wastage making sure everybody in the kitchen performs their job simultaneously, or else it's more difficult for you to do yours. It's a lot to wrap your head around, but some people are just built for it. It's what they do. I mean, that's just what I've done my whole life. I'm not very good at many things, but I could do that. <laughs> I feel that way sometimes myself. I've had a lot of depression throughout my life, and I know sometimes I don't feel like I'm good at anything, but then when I come to this, that thought yeah. goes away. Yeah, do your thing, man. Yeah, exactly. What you gotta do. Now, what yeah. is the most rewarding and the most difficult part of being an executive chef? The best part is definitely just the freedom of creativity. I would say, hands down, that's the most important part of any job that is a percentage of is an artistic approach to create something whether you paint, whether you build, whether you cook, is some people aren't into it. And some people, it drives them. Those are the artists of this world. And you need that part, first and foremost, just to keep your brain busy and to enjoy your daily life. That's what you have to do. I mean, enjoying your daily life is one thing. And like you said, it's the most rewarding part of the day is when you can enjoy your life and you're at a place where you can, again, be creative, but also build some passion, as you said. Exactly. Like take an idea and roll with it. You can always improve on something you do. No problem in revisiting something, but just to have that foundation of creativity. It just makes you feel like you have a 
greater feeling of accomplishment once something is complete, if you've created it, as opposed to emulating. What do you mean by that exactly? That's kind of cool. For you to make something all your own is more satisfying than for you to replicate something that someone else has done. Right, because it was your own work. You didn't yes. cheat off the paper. <laughs> what advice would you give to anyone else who is thinking about being an executive chef? Get some comfortable shoes, because you'll be standing a lot. <laughs> That's a good one right there. I think my dad could use that. He's an electrician, and I think that concrete kills him some days. And I think sometimes he needs to get more comfortable shoes. <laughs> now, I do want to talk to you about Hell's Kitchen, your appearance. So how did you get the opportunity to appear on Hell's Kitchen? I applied. I was working at a country club, and then they had a casting email that, that my manager at the golf club had just come across in the emails. And he convinced me to do it. And we made a bio, and we sent it in. And I had never seen the show until I was on. I've never once watched it except for the ones that I've been on. I didn't even know I was going on a reality show. I thought I was going on like a one-day cooking competition. And then and next then, thing you know, uh, yeah. okay, I'm going to be crashing here for several days now. It was a good time. I won't mention it, but there were some stressful times. So how'd you keep a good positive outlet going through those tough times? Because I know there are times Gordon got mad at you. I know there are times that you thought, oh, gee whiz. Technically, you're playing a food game show. So, I mean, all you got to think of the whole time is you're trying to win. You want to win. You're on a game show. I was just trying to throw it together and come out on top. There were a lot of times that I loved you during the show. There was one time, it was at the very beginning. It was this kid. He had to wake you guys up early doing the whole rock and roll. Everyone yeah. was so mad. It was like, oh, God, I got to get up so early. And you're over here like, oh, sweet, man. I was expecting to be woken up early. And then your grape jokes, man, that were great. I thought your team that was going to kill you. <laughs> it makes you feel any better. Your jokes were great. I'm full of bad one-liners. Yeah. Don't worry. I'm with you, too. I'm very punny, as they say. Do you still keep in touch with your Cutthroat Kitchen friends like Will, Paul, or? Not all of them. I definitely probably talk to Will. Paul, Jen, Jamie, the most. We have like a little group chat to say hi to each other around the holidays and stuff. What were they like? May I ask them? Were they pretty cool people? Hey, everyone was super nice, man. I met good people there. Paulie, I think, is still down in Florida. I'm not sure. But I know Will's got a new gig in the city doing the handcraft burgers, which are looking great. And they got a couple locations open, which is awesome. I've yet to go. But I was talking to him a few months ago about it when it was kind of just rolling forward. Good to hear his voice. I bet there are a lot of people out there thinking about entering Hell's kitchen so can you give any advice to those who are thinking about entering hell's kitchen i'll just do it don't let the distractions distract you keep your eyes on the prize oh that's a good one right there keep your eye on the prize because you're right that prize was pretty big you did get eliminated unfortunately so you did take your elimination very well and i applaud you for that because i know some of them didn't take it to the best but how did hey, you feel know. when you got eliminated I, know, I wasn't very upset i was in a game show i didn't even understand why people thought it was upset because i mean it's not the end of the world i still had a home and a job and friends to come home to it's not like i was returning home to nothing i just returned home to my normal life afterwards you're 100 right man and getting in hell's kitchen is honestly a great nomination itself gordon's a good dude too oh i was he's about to say are you sure about that because we only see the yelling he's a great guy man now i do want to talk to you about one of the reasons why and one of our missions is being kind to one of each other just being a good human being so who is probably the biggest person that taught you right from wrong oh wow Gee, it's a deep question i would say obviously my parents but i would say definitely my grandparents and my mother side who we grew up with the majority of our lives my grandmother had raised nine children with polio she had the patience of a saint so she was always a great role model because that's no easy task 
to raise nine kids paralyzed from the waist down. When you watch that woman be patient in any given situation, you try to adopt the same patients. That's awesome. Do you think you have adopted the same patients? Probably not. I work in restaurants. Fair but... enough. I'll give you that. <laughs> I do my best. It's all you can do, man. I do a lot of charity work with the American Cancer Society. Every year we do a dinner in memory of my grandmother because she passed. And I actually work closely with Tracy Walsh locally, who before I was born, when my grandmother would do work with the American Cancer Society, her partner at the American Cancer Society that she'd collaborate with at the time, I forget her name, I never met her, but her young secretary in her teenage years was Tracy Walsh that I coincidentally met. And now I collaborate with 30 years later doing charity dinners and things with the Cancer Society through her. So a kind of apple didn't fall far from the tree. We try to carry that torch every year. Let's get into that a little bit. So how did your grandma's cancer battle affect you? A lot of it was kind of caught late, probably about a year and a half. We saw her health take a turn, but she was fighting through it. I mean, she was a tough broad, so she fought through to the end, and she smiled the whole time, and she's a sweetheart. But it was my first hands-on close experience with cancer, just how it affects families and people, and it was intense. We can't change anything about it, but we just did our best to be there with my grandmother, be there for my grandmother, and just help her in her older years. She lived a long life. It was a late in life. It wasn't, like, too young in life, but it was something the family came together and kind of dealt with. Yeah, is that why you shaved your head for her? if you don't mind me asking no actually i always had a shaved head the only reason i had hair on hell's kitchen was because i had a bet with my dishwasher a hundred dollar bet who can go the longest without cutting their hair just for fun because i always had short hair as did most of the employees but it was i was working at the country go at the time and my little dishwasher from guatemala lenny he said he's gonna make me a bet to see who could have jesus hair is what he said first So we both stopped cutting our hair at the same time to see if we can grow it the longest and made a deal that the first one to cut their hair would have to chuck up a hundred bucks to the other one. And he cheated. And when I was on Hell's Kitchen and I still didn't cut my hair, he cut his hair and I came back and his hair was gone. And I gave him help for it. Oh, I won the bet. Nice try. (laughs) (laughs) I like my hair short too. I mean, I don't like it long because mine grows out like nuts and then it looks like a big afro from the 80s. My hair grows fast. Mine does too. Except mine doesn't go like down. It just goes like out. Yeah. Like you got your physical outlet. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Let's go into more about this niceness. So is there any advice you can give to those who might learn from their mistakes and are trying to do right. And I'm not just talking about like a kid who had a tantrum. He's trying to fix his mistake. I'm talking about those who have went the wrong way because I'm not saying you haven't. I'm not trying to get there, but you're just a nice guy. And there are some people who could probably take something from you. Forgiveness is a virtue. Everyone has the capacity to improve themselves. That's what makes humans human. The ability to take a situation, work it for the better, the ability to focus on yourself, that's something that's lost on no man, as long as it takes a little bit of courage to do so. But everyone has the power to improve their own lives, to improve themselves as a person at any time in their life, no matter what they've gone through in the past. Exactly. Because let's be honest here, you can start your life at any point and do good at any age. You don't have to start at five. You can start at five. But you can start later or sooner. The choices up you can make out of it with your life. I have my own opinion why it's important to do this. But in your opinion, Tommy Stevens' opinion, why is it important to be kind in this world? Sheesh, because it makes the world a better place around you, I suppose. You know what I mean? Why wouldn't you? You would think that, but there's so much people who, I'm not trying to name names on Hell's Kitchen, but who will probably disagree with you and slap you in the face for that. And I'm just talking about on Hell's Kitchen, but outside of Hell's Kitchen, who would look at you like, really, dude? Because I'm going to be mean, it's better. 
there. Well, some people are just miserable. Usually, if you meet somebody that's angry, they're probably miserable. It's usually how the world works. It's a simple law of human nature. And it took me a long time to learn that, brother. I thought I was bullied a lot, and the whole time, I thought I was the problem. When in reality, I should have learned they were the problem. Yeah, and just roll it up your shoulder. Don't sweat it. Like you said, it's your life, brother. You make what you make out of it. Let's put it this way. I've been through hell. Now, folks, we'll be right back. We're going to hear an ad from Bobcat in Ellsville, Indiana. So let's get to it. Are you wanting to do construction in your life? If so, Bobcat in Ellsville, Indiana is the place for you to work. For 60 years, Bob Pearl and the other six locations have been offered as a resource to construction equipment and sales. They can provide you with Bobcat equipment, Bronkite trailers, fill power tools, Echo Outdoor power equipment, Renmax power equipment, and Xmark commercial mowers. They also carry the products that are called Xaviators, compact track loaders, skid steer loaders, Versa handler, telescope tool carriers, all-wheel steer loaders, utility vehicles, and Toolcat utility work machines, plus a wide section of attachments. Be sure to use their services and give them a call at 800-825-9132. All right, folks, we're back, and you might find some bobcats. You never know. Now, Tommy, I do want to talk to you about your appearance on Cutthroat Kitchen. So how'd you get to appear on by one of my favorite food shows, Cutthroat Kitchen? Jeez, how did I? I think they just called me and asked if I wanted to be on it. I don't think I applied. I think they somehow got that from Casting for House Kitchen. So I'm in some kind of a Rolodex or database. But that show was fun because it didn't take a long time, which was nice. And I good people I met on it. It, it was a fun show, and not to brag, but I did have, I don't think the judge you had, but another Cutthroat Kitchen judge, Simon Majumdar and C1117, into Simon Majumdar's cookhouse. More information for the listeners and for you too, if you want to check that out. But he was definitely a pretty good guy, and I wish you would have met him, man. He's pretty cool because i've heard on the show that the judges and the contestants don't get to roll elbows with them yeah we don't talk to them too much i think i had i remember i think i had jet killer oh there was a gal antonia lafaso yes that was her name because you appeared twice you appeared on the one you won the original one that you won and then an evilicious tournament there was that one too yep yep and it's that curiosity out of all the sabotages you went through and i'm talking about your evilicious one and your regular one which one was the hardest sabotage that you had to go through in cutthroat kitchen oh i remember the, what was it one of them you had to use your left hand i remember that one that's pretty difficult but then there's different degree of difficulty that one was at least relevant to food it was another ridiculous one when it was like me and my partner dude were riding around trying to walk around in like a cardboard car or something like that i remember yeah that. fast food <laughs> meal gotta go in the car yeah, that's difficult for a whole new reason difficult to walk around with two people in a toy car without falling off but <laughs> I was hoping, are we going to topple over here? Are we going to, first time in the cutthroat kitchen, see someone fall? Just rip the wall off, the door off of it by mistake. Like, just falling out. But yeah, that's less cooking relevant, but more difficult then. Now, I did hear that you did get to cook an ancient mariner, so... How'd yeah, you get to was, cook at Ancient Mariner? That was a seafood restaurant that I worked at for a couple of years in Ridgefield around the corner from my house. And then after I worked there, I moved to like a Spanish style tapas restaurant that I cooked for a couple of years. And then pretty much by that time, I was probably in my early 30s where I was getting my stuff in order to open my own restaurant. Uh, and then, is that why you left? Yeah. I figured it was, but I wanted to make sure. But do you have any good times you could share with us at Ancient Mariner? Oh, yeah, it was a fun place. I mean, all the regulars were great and Ridgefield's a great town it's a beautiful town it's 10 minutes down the road from me right now it's Connecticut town and it's just really nice they have a lot of family-owned and operated restaurants there's a great sweet shop and it's just like a little 
cozy American town where you can take a walk down Main Street on a summer night, pop your head in, get some to eat somewhere, go two places if you want to eat, go out for the, to the sweet shop for dessert. It's just a nice cozy town. Check it out if you're ever in the area. I will. Right, well, what's the town again? Can you say one more time so I can process it, please? Ridgefield. Ridgefield. Ridgefield, New York? Connecticut. Oh, Connecticut. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. I live in New York, but I'm right on the Connecticut line. So oh, I'm, okay. Ridgefield, Connecticut. I'll definitely um, check her out, man. I'm, yeah. I'm a big traveler. I like to go around and see the world. So maybe yeah, Ridgefield, right? Connecticut's on the list. Who knows with me? Now you currently work at your restaurant, Iron and Wine. So how'd you get to be an executive chef and the owner for Iron and Wine Restaurant? Well, it's pretty easy when you're the owner. You make yourself the executive chef. <laughs> I took a business loan and I looked around for a location. It took about a little less than a year, but I was looking around trying to find the right spot to do it. And I found a restaurant that was actually owned by my previous employer years back. And then I bought it from the guy who was selling it at the time. And then just got a couple of my old cooks I opened with. And they worked for me for a couple of years and moved on to better things. But I opened it with a couple of old friends, Matt and Josh, and they were my main kitchen guys. We just hit the ground running and opened a tiny restaurant. Isn't it then some new American to it too? Because when I looked online, it said new American restaurant. Yeah, I do like a world influence on like comfort foods. It's pretty much just whatever tickles my fancy that day. I cook whatever I feel like pretty much. I tell, tell a lot of people that it's food that chefs want to eat on their day off. Got it. That works, right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the food, can you tell us some of the food you serve and what would you recommend on the menu? Oh, I take a lot of different influences. We do like a spicy dan dan noodle, which is like an Asian style uh, flat noodle, spicy kind of Jezuan, like a Pichon style broth, which is good. We, we make all our own pastas, which I do every morning. We do a nice butter chicken, which I just put on the menu about a month ago. It's people dig. It's pretty much, I change it whenever I get bored, but we do a lot of Spanish Mediterranean vibe kind of stuff, like small plates and tapas and have a little wine bar. And I like a lot of small plates that everyone can share. I like the sharing element of food to bring people together at a table, have people talk, share things, discuss things. That's part of the world that we're slowly slipping away from do you have any like permanent foods on the menu though just out of curiosity that stay there and don't change not really there's some things that i leave on the menu i mean i don't know if it's permanent like as in guaranteed forever but about a year into business i started doing a like a soy caramel glazed crispy brussels sprout with sesame and people rave about them so i have never taken those off the menu in the last five years that's everyone's favorite so that's pretty much a staple there's always a burger but i change it religiously we always have like a braised short rib bolognese like a meat-based pasta sauce. There's always some kind of an Alfredo, especially in the wintertime. We do a three-mushroom Alfredo this year, which is great. That sounds kind of good. I'm not a big fan of mushrooms, I'll be honest with you, but for someone who might be a mushroom <laughs> fan, that sounds really good. I notice you have a lazy eye, so does the lazy eye, does it ever get in the way in your life and were you born with it? Born with it, hands down. If I close my good eye, like I'm looking at you right now, I don't know if you can see my eyes, but I can't see my phone. It's just a big blurry block. If I open this one, my vision's great. <laughs> I've always had one good eye and one terrible eye. But yeah, I was born with it, so my brain is kind of wired to just use my good eye. I don't really have, have issues. I have no point of comparison. You're the one-eyed pirate. Ah, you <laughs> might as well get an eye patch on it, right? <laughs> I had surgery on it three times about four years ago and because my retina detached and it went blind. I do notice a difference when it's not working because it's definitely different. At least I can see things moving when it's blurry. I know something's there. So I have peripheral, but it's funny. Like I never really thought I depended on it that much with one good eye, one bad eye until I lost my bad eye. And then I was wearing 
an eye patch around work for a couple months after the surgeries. And everyone was laughing at me because I ordered a white leather eye patch like the nurse from Kill Bill on online. And I was wearing it around my restroom. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, uh, may I take your order? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I do notice this. My favorite thing with the Hell's Kitchen when you came in the first door is that tattoo on your forehead. I love it. The rock yeah. and roll tattoo on right there. And I know yeah. you're like tattooed everywhere else. So can you tell us about some of your tattoos and do any of your tattoos mean anything special? Yeah, I got one on the side of my head that looks like a, ro- it's a black rose that I got when my grandmother passed. The one I was telling you about. I also have a tattoo from when my father passed away a couple years ago that I got. It's a swallow. It's like an old American style sailor tattoo with a couple of raindrops underneath it. Because old sailor folklore is if you're out at sea and you see a bird over the ocean, they say that it carries the soul of the deceased at sea from the water to the heavens. And I thought that was fitting for my father passing considering we grew up on a lake together. What lake did you grow up on? I live on it right now. Here, check it out. Okay, it's called, sure. It's called Peach Lake, and okay. it's probably hard to see, but you'll see a nice sunset out the window if I point my phone at it. Can you see it? Oh, yeah, I see it. That's very lovely, man. That's outside my front door. Yeah, that's called, you call it's called Peach Lake? The little lake, it's small. It's literally like a mile across, a half mile wide, a couple of neighborhoods on either corner of it. Nice in the summertime. We go putt around in a boat and go fishing. Oh, you ever, you like to fish? Yeah, sometimes. Probably oh, man, fishing's one of my hobbies, too. My my and my dad um, go fishing sometimes. Um, it's like a good spot to fish is Batesville, Mississippi. There's not oh, much there, but they have good crappie fish. It's really good, and we take a lot of them home. We don't do it as much because we had to sell our pontoon boat because we didn't use it a lot. We're hoping to go back there to give me like a smaller boat and go fishing there and get some more crappie. So definitely, if you're interested in for like good old fishing trip, Batesville, Mississippi's a killer, nice. man. So I do want to talk to you more about staying true to yourself because, brother, I can't believe how much people change in Hell's Kitchen, but you stuck to yourself. And I'll admit it, I 100% admire that, brother, because there are some, like I said, who change, who take the easy way route or backstab. Why do you think it's important to stay true to yourself and honestly do what my mission is, and that is to be you? Staying true to yourself is pretty easy when you don't give a shit about what anyone else thinks. (laughs) I love that, brother. I love that. And you know something? It took me 16 years to learn. You can't care what I give a shit about you. And if you do, your life's a piece of crap. There are many people that will have something to say, but if you ever quietly listen in life, it's always the people that have too much to say whose opinions don't really weigh that much. Their opinions mean nothing, if you think about it. Nothing at all. How could others, like who I once was, who learned to care what others think, can shift and learn not to care what they think, but also be reasonable? You want to find something to focus on that becomes your focus, something you want to focus on, because a lot of people focus on what others think when they should be focusing on just themselves improving themselves and doing what makes them happy. And when you do that, you become preoccupied with what makes you happy, preoccupied with what you want to do and think. And when your brain is busy fielding these facets of life, then you don't have time to worry about what anyone else thinks. It doesn't matter. There's people that don't like my restaurant. It doesn't bother me. Just don't come to my restaurant. I'll probably still like you if I bump you in, bump in a line at the grocery store and choose the shit with you. It's just some people like certain things, some people don't. You just focus on the common interests, focus on who shares opinions with you. You focus on things that you want understand things to make you happy and other people will do the same naturally i agree with you 100 because 
what you what everyone does that makes them happy, they can forget about the negativity, the hard yeah. aspects of life that yeah. adults and children have to go through sometimes. Now, I do got to talk to you about this. So I noticed you said when you left that you like chicken wings. So I got to oh, ask you, man, what makes Buffalo. good chicken wings? Oh, you ever go to the Anchor Bar in Buffalo? You got to check that out. No, I have not. There's Anchor Bar. I haven't been to Buffalo in a long time. I remember growing up, I was in like elementary school years, but all the time my father used to always take us out for wings and we would go up. Uh, the Anchor Bar and Ducks are two staples of Buffalo that both kind of claim to be the first chicken wing spot and never settled the fight. Claim to be the originators of the Buffalo wing. And they've been around for so long. I'm not even sure. We used to go there in Buffalo. Like chicken wing and pizza spots were everywhere growing up. We used to go to one called Lenovo, which was kind of my favorite one. And that one was like old school 50s style, black and white checkered floor, neon signs in the windows, a couple of video arcade games. And it was the cool family spot. And I remember my father taking us there, my brother and my mother and I, when we were young. And that was always fun. Pull out a pocket full of quarters, let my brother and I have at it at the arcade. We were just eat chicken wings and grab a pizza and that was what people did on friday night what do you think are the best flavor of wings though it's a tough call i love making wing sauces like i make them all the time all kinds of wacky different ones and it's a freaking blast it's hard to name a favorite um my new favorite is alabama white barbecue sauce oh, so we do it it's fine but i gotta be honest i'm buffalo the hotter the better for me i'm a spicy wing guy too i love it oh yes how hot do you like it? Like yeah. to the point where it's like, burnt, not like burn your mouth, but you feel the heat or it doesn't have to be extra, oh, extra hot. I'll take full on face rippers till I'm sweating through my clothing. I love it. Oh, same <laughs> too. I like the feeling. I know a lot of people are like, <gasps> yeah. but then I'm like, oh, this is actually really good. And you can make a hot sauce taste good. It's possible. Some spicy sauces taste terrible. Some spicy sauces are well-made where they're spicy and tasty. You know, you can't sacrifice flavor. That is true. And I know a lot of sometimes hot sauces do that. And it's just full on fire in your mouth. You know, I'm the kind of odd duck who likes the fire in your mouth. I wouldn't mind that some days. <laughs> <laughs> it also said, and I quote, you like motorcycle rides. So where do you like to take your motorcycle on? Anywhere. I mean, I put around New York. I mean, I'm from New York. So I put around New York. I would love to. My uncle has gone to the Rockies and gone out west and taken a motorcycle excursion for like a week. Never done anything like that, but that sounds like a blast. I'm more or less, I have a little sportster, and I like to just cruise around town, go out for a beer, go out for a burger. When the weather's warm, I'll pop around town on the bike and just enjoy spending it. My dad's like that, too. He actually owns a motorcycle. And it's, it's pretty cool. He rides it when it's warm, but when it's cold, not I as much, have, obviously. But I have friends that ride in the winter with heated jackets, and they're diehards. I, I hate it. Um, me too, and plus, I wouldn't do it in the cold because I hate the cold. Hate it, hate it, hate it. Me too. I can't stand the cold. Oh, brother. Here's the deal. The more I go out for like necessities in the cold, the worse it gets on me. And my father's like, well, wait till you get to 52 years. I'm like, buddy, it's already been 52 years with the cold is what it feels like right now. <laughs> <laughs> if it's colder than 50 degrees, like if it's in the 40s, I don't want to be out on a motorcycle. Uh, if it's in the 50s, I'll do it. 50s? I'm, I'm a big wussy when it comes to that, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now i do want to talk to you about this what the heck was this music video i found about you doing it's called guns on the run oh what hell yeah was that that's my punk rock band from when i was young oh is you younger oh okay i didn't know what it was i was like 
what the heck is this? I know Tommy's on here, but what's he doing? I was young. The music video definitely was made by like one of my college student friends. It was like a zero budget music video. Just do what we could with our computers at the time. And at least it was something. You know, sometimes a lot of you got prefer something than nothing. But I think the problem was I was just confused on what it was. I was like, is it a music? I mean, yeah, you maybe, can buy maybe a little, it. like you said, maybe a little more higher technology. I think you can buy that iTunes, buy the album. How much buyers have you gotten? <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. Oh, it was so long ago. But I did just get married, and, and all of my best men in my wedding party were my band growing up. Did you guys play it at your wedding? No, I'm very rusty. <laughs> Once in a while, but I was so well practiced back in the day, and I, I do not practice as often as I should as a guitar player. Well, folks, we're right back. We're going to hear from Unlocking the Spectrum. So let's get to it. At Good Unlocking the Spectrum, we are committed to making the highest quality ABA therapy accessible to all children with autism. We pride ourselves in offering fun, compassionate, and data-driven programs for individuals with autism and unparalleled support for their families. Our personalized approach means that every unique child is given just what they need to reach their maximum potential. We are so happy to support Sam in his mission of taking the stick off of autism. You can learn more about our services and employment opportunities in both Indiana and Texas at unlockingthespectrum.com or by calling 855-INFO-UTS. That's 855-INFO-UTS. All right, folks, and we're back and you'll definitely unlock the key to success if you check this amazing clinic out. Now you also, Mr. Steens, have got involved with Taekwondo or Jiu-Jitsu. So how did you get involved with jujitsu? I just kind of started around when I got engaged to my wife three years ago. And I just walked in and signed up. I ended up falling in love with it. It's a great freaking time. And I love it. I still do it. It's three years later. It's, it's a freaking blast. It's one of my uh, favorite hobbies. It's one of your favorite hobbies, you said? Yeah, hands down. I didn't do jujitsu, but I did Taekwondo for the longest time, like through my um, school year. And I had my instructors at C129, a black belt journey for more information, but it definitely helped me a lot with self-discipline and standing still because I probably was a wild child at the time. Yeah. If yeah. that makes any sense, you didn't know I was going to do. I was like a bad kid. I was just very mischievous, I guess yeah. is what you put it at. So definitely made me into a better person. And that's kind of the question with I have next is has jujitsu helped you in any way as a person? Definitely just makes you a calm minded person. It actually makes you more peaceful, despite what people would immediately think that is violent, which it is. But when you're taught that kind of thing, you become a more calm, peaceful, quiet, confident person where you just walk softly, carry a big stick as the expression goes. It's good for your character. It just definitely does make you a different person. You look at things differently. Okay. Let's go into a little bit more. What have you looked at differently? I just don't really get as angry at anything anymore. It, it's strangely calming. But when you wrestle around with a bunch of top-tier martial artists all morning long, it's very humbling. At the same time, it makes you stronger mentally and physically. And then you learn not to really get upset at other things in life because they're so insignificant compared to if you were actually be in, say, a life or death situation where you would need to apply said knowledge. Long story short, there are many greater things in life than what gets your average person angry that you should probably devote that attention to and not allow small things to distract you so much on your day-to-day -day as a lot of people let them. Right. I see that. I think sometimes we humans fly off the handle when we don't need to. Exactly. And it improves your problem-solving abilities. Not necessarily physically, it just you apply that physically in training, but then it just makes you more 
patient solving a problem outside of that world as well. Now, I do want to talk to you about your wife. So how did you meet your wife? She was working at one of my restaurants back in the day. A couple of years went by and I bumped into her again and we ended up going on a date and ended up just hitting it off years ago and just didn't stop dating really how does your wife helped you out from a personal standpoint well she works with me so we both run the restaurant together that's a big deal <laughs> i'll give you that i mean has she helped you as a person as well i mean 100 she's also maybe a more calm person that's good and hey a lot of times that's what people need in life is someone <laughs> to help them make them calm i think i'm still waiting for that someone but we'll see if it <laughs> happens <laughs> <laughs> now folks we'll be right back we're going to hear from great white smoke so let's get to it in the town of bloomington indiana you can find the best barbecue meat at great white smoke owned by dave white great white smoke offers meat catering for events such as weddings and birthday parties they've won awards such as the 2021 number one food truck in america grand champion and the 2019 kentuckiana barbecue pitmasters king of the Q. if you're looking for someone to cook meat for your event then dave is your guy Book them for your next event at 812-229-7571. You can drop them an email on their contact page as well. All right, folks, we're back. And if you check them out, you definitely won't be hearing smoke on the water, but smoke on the grill because their meats are pretty good. Now, speaking of meats and food, Tommy, we're going to wrap it up here, but these are just for fun. So my first for fun one is what is your paradise meal or favorite food? And why is it your favorite? And I'm guessing with you, is it wings? It's one of them. If that's, a tough, that's a tough question to ask someone their favorite food because I love food obviously hey look but, at me brother look at me yeah. for a minute <laughs> <laughs> i also being a new yorker i love and it's got to be in new york classic breakfast sandwich i love a bacon egg and cheese sandwich with an over easy egg salt pepper american cheese on a jj cassone's roll and if you're from the tri-state area you know that it's got to be a jj cassone's roll otherwise it just ain't a breakfast sandwich you like to add anything to your bacon egg sandwich like sauce or pepper or just oh. the way it is yeah, I'll try with dabble in hot sauce or ketchup once in a while, but I'm happy just the way it is. I don't usually order it, just salt pepper. Now, my next one is, what is your favorite movie or TV show, and why do you like it? That's an easy one. Favorite movies since I was a kid, hands down, are the Star Wars trilogy and Indiana Jones trilogy. I'm a diehard Star Wars dude, and I love Indiana Jones, like the old three classic movies. Good call. Other favorite movies, Goonies. I'm showing my age because all these movies are from the same late 70s, early 80s time period. But Goonies is one of the best movies ever made as well. Now, what has been your favorite vacation you have ever taken? And why did you enjoy that vacation very much? Oh, that's an easy one. I've been to many beautiful places in the world. And many of them driven by my pursuit of food and influence on recipe design. And But food aside, which they did have some great food, but I went to Peru once and I got to go everywhere from the lost civilization of Machu Picchu up in the mountains at the top of the Andes to the Amazon jungle, to these catacombs under a monastery that literally were wall to wall, like caves filled with bones of dead monks. Like that was hands down the most wild vacation in the world. Because back on your earlier question, I literally felt like Indiana Jones the whole time. Getting on a tiny airplane that I felt like was bouncing around in the air and about to crash, going over the mountains, the Andes Mountains, as I fly to this town of Cusco at the top of the Andes and then see all this, these ancient civilizations and cultures. And these, it's wild, of literally, these old civilizations that they just have the remains of. It was such a spiritual trip. It's awesome. I bet. And doesn't Indiana Jones ride in like a mine cart? Or Probably. I think of something else. Probably. I think in one of them, maybe in the new one. Okay. The reason why I'm saying is too bad you didn't have a mine cart. Then you would have got the whole experience, right? I know Donkey Kong rides in a mine cart. 
Yeah, <laughs> he might. <laughs> you were talking Tom too a little bit. <laughs> now but my final was... question is, are there any good memories that you want to tell our viewers about? If you do, why do you remember that memory the most? Now, before you answer, I like to end with like a good memory that made you feel good and was very sentimental to you. And a funny memory that made you fall on the floor laughing. It could be with Hell's Kitchen, Cutthroat Kitchen, your job. You're a call you want to answer, my brother. That's a tough call. A memory. Jeez. Well, nice memory, a recent memory, but a great memory I can think of is my father always had a motorboat growing up. And after he passed away a couple years ago, my brother came to visit because it was during COVID and they shut down all the restaurants in Manhattan. So he moved back home with the family and we were all hanging out together, going through tough times. And I surprised the family by buying a motorboat in memory of my father because that's how we used to spend our summers as kids. And that was one of the happier days of my life, is bringing that gift home to the family and, and just kind of keeping Pop's memory alive and us all having a good time and going out together for the first time in so many years and watching the sunset on the water. And all that is just such a huge part of my growing up that I just I was happy to bring that back to the family. I bet that was a great time. And on the motorboat, did you guys go tubing? Like, have you ever done that before? My father was like Dale Earnhardt with his children in tow behind the damn motorboat. I'm surprised social services didn't come take us away from him. My, <laughs> my father was such a freaking hellion when we were kids, taking us for tube rides. His goal, I swear to God, his goal was to save some money and ditch one of us off. Just have a sink to the bottom of the lake. He would be... <laughs> <laughs> that darn dad, right? <laughs> It's, it's still every holiday. Seriously, it still comes up as a conversation. How wild my father's tube rides were when we were kids. Send us like six feet in the air, like flying through the air, bouncing off this tube. My mother screaming at him. My father flying around. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine that. I did a little tubing myself, but my issue was every time they would turn the boat, like you go, you go way over the I'm like, well. I'm going to fly off here in a minute. Yeah, my brother and I used to roll it. We'd do a barrel roll. When you go all the way on the side, you do somersaults on the tube and try to stay on. Oh, that was boy. funny. I thought of a funny one I could help you out with. So the funny one, it was the very last episode of Hell's Kitchen. Very last one. You were turning as a chef. Yeah. They, they got open the big box. You literally turn around and moon the two finals. Yeah, I think Will bet me that I wouldn't moon America. And I said, are you freaking kidding me? Of course I will. <laughs> and then you're like, Bing! and then I, I love me sending like the little confessional box. Well, there's him, 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 and Tommy's ass. <laughs> that was great. Somebody had to do it. Oh, I, I would have done it too. It's like, hey, you want to moon them. Okay. <laughs> I probably would have done the same thing, man. Well, Tommy, I think that's all. Is there anything you'd like to say or promote before we close her up? Yes and no. Thank you for having me on. It was pretty awesome. And if you ever want an autism-related guest, I have a buddy named Richie who is a jujitsu practitioner who's huge into autism awareness and is an avid like wrestling fan. And he goes to tournaments with us and he's good at jujitsu. And he would love, he would love this if you're interested. I could put you in touch with him outside of the the conference let's do it yeah gladly all right and thank you tommy you were been you were a great competitor but also you're an amazing person my friend i probably look look up to you a lot and i hope you have a great day brother thank you brother my pleasure you for joining me for this episode please tune in for another episode coming very soon i hope you enjoyed listening to me ramble thank you very much mm-hmm.